welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Okay, so it's the end of week one of the NRL finals for 2021. And dare I say it, pretty entertaining weekend of footy. Uh, three out of the four games were close, um, very close in one case, and a whole bunch of drama. And yeah, considering my team put in the worst performance out of the eight teams on the weekend, I'm pretty upbeat for this final series because yeah. the games were enjoyable. And even though Manly got pumped, they deserved everything they got based on the effort they put out. And the fact that I was there live kind of... I know I got to salvage something from the weekend. So it was a really good atmosphere at the game, uh, despite the scoreline. And um, I still had a lot of fun. I love, my favorite part of this whole round was the fact that all gear, everyone's talking about blow up, blowouts because there's six again rule. Three out of the four finals games were down to the last five, 10 minutes of the game, which is just, that's what you want in a game of footy, in finals especially. So, um, and they weren't, Overly bad quality games either. They were just very solid. Um, I love it how you called it overly bad quality <laughs> instead of saying they were good quality. Uh, no, <laughs> Entertainment-wise, they were. It, were, it was flashes flat of quality. skill. Yeah, yeah no, but big pen of the weekend. Adam put a massive blowout for his young fella turning five. Had the Ew. jumping castle there. Had the dinosaurs running around. Had the big dinosaur running around. That was sweaty as fuck. Isn't that right, Adam? Yeah, I reckon I lost two kilos in the first half of the party wearing that dinosaur costume and then put it on by the end of the day from the amount of soft drink and food and lollies oh. and then beer I shoveled down when I finally started eating. So, Oh, mate. It was, we, it was um, the big, big orange dinosaur costume. The first thing all the all the dads wanted to do, including me. I'm not a dad yet, but... I just want to, we just want to tackle him the whole time. Oh man, it was like as soon as you compress that costume, the air escapes and it deflates and the head falls down. So then I can't <laughs> see where I'm going. But just looking to my left, um, at the pool table here, it's just still covered in Addy's presence. And um, kudos to the Jumping Castle business. We hired it for three hours. We got it for over 24 hours for the same price because they literally couldn't come and pick it up Sunday afternoon. So. We had a bunch of fun till almost six o'clock that night jumping on it. And um, yeah, we had a dinosaur scavenger hunt. It was just a great day and the kids were wrecked. That was pretty hard to get them out of bed this morning for daycare. And then awesome. we spent pretty much the night till the kids went to bed putting together Addy's Lego set. So it continues. Had a ball. Yeah, yeah no, it was really cool. And you can tell the, the kids had a, um, had a lot of fun. I, I spend a lot of time with Adam, but I don't actually get to see his kids. They've grown so much. It worries me. I was sitting yeah. there at one point going, holy fuck, Atticus is actually five. Like four of us were just sitting there going, oh my God. It's yeah, it's scary. And, like there's just and, moments where Maddie and I look at him and go, he's actually a boy now. He's not a toddler. And, it's just... and, and the funniest part was that I rocked up and I saw the jumping castle and I had to ask Maddie if adults were allowed, I was like, yes, Miss, my partner, Kalisha's like, no, you're not allowed on it, not allowed on Hell, it. Hell yes, you are. We, we, in about two minutes, I was on there and we had the balls and I was, I was trying to get Atticus to, to dunk. And he's like, oh, look, you wear glasses, same as me. And I'm like, yeah, okay, grab the ball, we'll go dunk. He just oh, went that would have meant so glasses. much to him. 
Yeah, no, he's like, oh, my God, you have glasses the same as me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're really cool. And we're comparing glasses. Then he dunked his glasses through the basketball hoop and the thing. Oh, I'm like, no, no, don't, don't do that, mate. Don't do that. Yeah, for those who may be new to the podcast, um, my son Atticus is, yeah, like you said, turned five. He had eye surgery at the start of this year um, yeah. to loosen up some tight muscles in his eyes. So wearing glasses has just started this year for him, really, like full on wearing them. So um, that'd be a yeah. huge moment for him. So thank you, Jay. Yeah. He dunked his glasses. I was, I was, I was impressed. I was like, you're, you're out of here. So let's, <laughs> keep, let's keep it on um, good news stories. Now, this is a good news from a bad situation. And we've talked about Moses Masoy on the podcast previously. Now, I used to play for the Sydney Roosters and, dare I say, West Tigers was the other team? No, Penrith. Yeah, Penrith. Mossy was, yeah, Penrith. Yeah, yeah sorry. So 130 kilo, six foot six fella and suffered a horrific neck injury while playing over in the Super League. And overnight, uh, he walked with his daughters um, out onto Craven Park ground, the, the home of Hull. And that's the club he was playing for over there, as well as playing for St. Helens. But it was the first time that so many people had seen him walking. He had his um, crutches, one in each arm as well. And... You couldn't wipe the smile off his face. It was a final farewell before he returned to Australia. And if you followed Moses's path from when he broke his neck all the way through in the rehab he did, he literally had to learn to walk again from scratch because of the nerves that had been severed. And through rehab and occupational therapy and training, he's gotten back to this level. And it's absolutely amazing. And the Super League and Hull put up, they tweeted the video of it. And a fan underneath it said, a great player, even a better bloke. I still have, and this is the guy's words, vividly remember Saints versus Wigan in 2015. A Wigan player broke down the wing and it kicked ahead, only for Masoy to sprint all the way back to collect the ball on the slide. It was the biggest um, chase back anyone had ever seen. So it's literally a 130 kilo prop, <laughs> keeping pace with a center down the sideline and won the race to the ball to prevent a try. That's when he was playing for St. Helens. And the clip is awesome. Um, I watched so, it just before. Yeah. So, yeah, Mer- he, he's like a he's like a bigger version of Ben Murdoch Masilla. And he could, he's quicker than him. Um, he's a, he, was, he was the biggest player in the NRL when he was playing. Yeah, he was an absolute monster. And it was so sad what happened to him. But full credit to him, he was always so positive. He was mm. always so like, I'm going to work to get, get through this. And, you know, that would have been a massive moment for him being able to walk with his daughters through the tunnel onto the field um, one last time. Um, Full credit to him. And this is the kind of stuff that should be talked about more in the NRL. Because another positive about it is that English Super League um, sports bet in Australia, so the whole tri-celebration thing, I think it was... June, yeah. July, or August, or something, whatever. That was all dedicated to him, and that stuff is the fundamental part of why rugby leagues is such a working class game. Because when something does happen, everyone gets around them for to support. And um, I hope to see him back in Australia and the NRL doing a few things for him as well, get him an ambassador role or something like that. It's awesome. And his, 
the ties of the NRL are still strong. He um, gave them the match ball, but he was also presented with a ball that had signatures of all the NRL captains on it and all the Super League captains, except for his captain, which is Sean Kenny Dow, who signed it when he got <laughs> given to him on the field. Kenny Dow, captain. And then um, gave it back to him. So oh, I up. love the English Super moment. League. I love the English Super League. Sean and Kenny Dow's a captain. Hey, dual premiership winner, leader. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I would never afford to be a captain. Yeah, a winger. Good on him. Yeah, so something you can't believe. um, Reed Marnie, future commentator. (laughs) How good was this? So they crossed to him live and he... He didn't realise they were there. I'm pretty sure Parra went and made a mistake and he was so injured, he said, fuck. Yes. So to give some context, so while Jared's laughing his head off, uh, Channel 9's coverage of the Eels-Knights game, they had Reed Marnie at home, he's injured, uh, plugged in to get some in-game analysis and have a quick interview while he's watching the game. And it looks as though he didn't know he was live at the time. But yes, as Jared so eloquently said, they crossed to Marnie literally with the question, uh, no doubt you'd like to be out there for the finals, Reid. How are you seeing the opening stages here? And the reply was, fuck. And so they cut the feed straight away, but um, obviously not before it was recorded and watched by over 21,000 people now. Um, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. So commentary, awesome. not for everybody. All right. Did we talk about the NRL fantasy super coach winner? No. Anyway, he won 50 grand for winning it and then donated $45,000 to his sister who was diagnosed with breast cancer earlier that week. And it, I was just reminded of it when Jared said, it's a game that everybody gets around each other. And he's like, yeah, she needs it more than I do. So there it goes. Good boy. Yes. Um, all right. That's all the sideline stuff, I guess. So if we have a look at stuff that happened on the field uh, this week, a couple of controversial calls over the weekend and compared to calls in previous weeks, um, I think these were handled well in the game and I think the justifications have sat well after the game, in my opinion, anyway. So we're going to look at the two uh, penalty try uh, decisions that were made, one for a try, one against as a try, um, and also the Sydney Roosters field goal decision and the Ryan Pappenhausen field goal. And that's more the social media. Oh, and we're going to put the, put the um, Corey Thompson reaction into that as well. And we'll put mm-hmm. forward our opinions on those. So uh, the, I guess the first penalty try, well, not I guess, the first penalty try decision over the weekend was the first no try to the Roosters in the Roosters-Titans game. So Tyrone Peachy was... Um, Turned around in defense, was trying to run back to chase. I'm going to have a mind blank here. Who was the Roosters player going through? Crap, 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 crap. Anyway, um, Jaden Campbell was coming across in defense form from the grubber. Tyron Peachy was running back in order to save the try as well. Uh, the Roosters player ran past him. Um, so Tyron Peachy reached out and grabbed onto the jersey and pulled him back just enough uh, for the Roosters player to be off balance and not able to gather the ball cleanly. Now they went upstairs, obviously it was a no try and the decision then was penalty try, no penalty try. It was a no penalty try. Tyron Peachy 
did get sent in for 10 minutes for a professional foul. And it was given a no penalty try due to the fact that Jaden Campbell was in the vicinity and could, ha could have obviously held up the Roosters play, knocked the ball out of his hand, not gotten there. There's a hot, too many different options. Um, penalty try, no penalty try, Jared. No penalty try, easily. Yeah. It was, Wait, as I'm you with said, Jaden Campbell was in the vicinity. It's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's too many variables in play to have someone like that. So, yeah, no penalty try, deserved to be simbinned, um, play on. And, yeah. I'm just, I was Victor Radley, of course I was. Yeah, so... I remember now, like, as soon as I saw it, I knew who it was straight away. So James Tedesco was floating across, but a brilliant grubber through, something that he does every now and then. Uh, Radley had the run on Peachy. And I don't know, if I'm coach, I want Peachy to do what he did uh, because it's a pretty hard kick to defend because it's not something you expect. It's obviously something that was teed up with Radley at, uh, either at training or during the game or the previous set or whatever. It's pretty hard to defend. It was like a perfect play. Um. And the Titans only let in two points, I believe, uh, in that period of time where uh, Peachy was. They're actually the more dominant. Yeah, so They're actually quite dominant in that period, and it was the two points were off that penalty. So, yeah. um, look for for this game. I as as we talk about a lot of games, um, Gold Coast played really Don't go well. Go off tangent now. Come on, we'll come back to it. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, in that period, they only scored two points, so good on them. Like, it was a really good defensive effort. Uh, Sam Walker field goal at the end? Uh, <laughs> I think it's legit. I don't have a problem with it. Um, but I know there's controversy about it. You want to explain that one? So this is, um, what, the second time in, I don't know, three, three weeks, weeks or so that this is actually yeah. been talked about. However, it's probably the 50th time that's happened this season with regards to a block being set up next to the clay, play the ball in order to give their kicker more time to set up and kick the field goal. It's obviously come under the microscope more so recently because we're getting close to the finals. Finals positions are on the line. We're now in the finals. And that one point difference at the end of the game um, was the difference between the Titans season finishing and not finishing. I don't know how much stock I put by that in that every team has more than one opportunity to score through a game. Sorry, I was just pausing to rewatch it here. Yeah, like considering the letter of the law, they've got to be standing literally right next to each other, right next to the play of the ball. It was Jared Warrior Hargraves and waiting for his vision of the other person. So Verrills is there. They actually do. They run into the position to be there, but they are, there's a gap between and Mitch Rain runs between the gap. So technically by the level of the law, it's legal. However, Annesley said that it is a rule that they are going to review in the off season. I don't have an issue with it because it's something that's been happening for ages. And I think this would be the wrong time of the year for them to change anything or to start refereeing it differently. Wink, wink, NRL. Um, they've made enough of those mistakes this past season and a half. All right. Second penalty yeah, try. Um, what? Sorry. I just have no issue with what happens in every kick. That's all I'm going to say about yeah. that one. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Okay. Penalty try that was awarded in the Parramatta Eels Newcastle Knights game. So this is off the Clint Gutherson drop kick. And 
Um, you're going to tell me who chased it through because I didn't watch this game because it was the afternoon of... Will Panasini. Will Panasini, that's right. The only centre in that back line that can do stuff. Uh, yeah, he actually played really well in the weekend. Yeah. But yeah, so it was actually off a break by Para. They passed it out to the right. Honestly, if Guffo just shoveled it off and tried not try to hold it on, they had a massive yeah, lap. Virgo would have scored his third try. Um, he got close to the line. Old mate didn't fall for the grab. I can't remember who it was. Tackled him. He drop kicked it. I'll get back to that later. And the ball bounced up right in front of Will Penasini. He had his hands out. Ponga was wrong-footed because the ball took a right-hand turn. I actually mm-hmm. think Ponga was expecting Guffo to pass it. Yeah. Um, and then... Will Penasini had his hands out. Ball popped up for him. Inari Tuwala um, chipped him too early to try and attack, tackle him, which you can't blame him for. He's desperate, um, yeah. all that kind of jazz. Penasini fell over. Um, no one in the vicinity. Jaden Brady was still five metres away. Penasini was two metres out for the try line if he caught it. Would have just fell over the line. No one would have stopped him. Um, I think that's it was textbook penalty try. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, there was nothing wrong with this call. Um, no, by the, the letter only... of the law. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, so by the letter of the law. The only issue I have with it, and like I, before I say this, it is the rule. If you accidentally drop the ball and then kick it, it is considered a, a um, drop kick. Yes. But I have an issue with the rule just because Guffo made a mistake Yes. In how he played that. And he, like you said, he should have passed it. He tried to draw Old Matt in. He jammed him way earlier than Gufferson fought. There was no... With, with the rule that's been played, there's no respect for the defender for doing a proper job. Yeah. And that's the issue I had with it. He dropped it cold and then kicked it. There's no... If no buts or whatever, as I said, it's the letter of the law. But I think at the end of the year, that rule needs to change because like, I can't even remember who it was. He deserves more credit for his defense in that situation. That's, yes. that's, like, that's all I'm going to say with it. Um, you know, I'll get to the game analysis later. But yeah, in that situation, I feel like the, the defender should have got a bit more credit. But other than that, it was a penalty try textbook. Yeah, so when it's a, a grubber or something like this, the things that they're looking for, whether it's a penalty try, defenders in the vicinity, of which there weren't any close enough uh, with regards to how close he was to the try line, and then the uncertainty what the ball's going to do. But we'd already seen the ball bounce up, and the player was about to grab it. It's not like he was still chasing a rolling ball. They could have gone sideways again. Um, 100% agree with Jared. I thought it was a penalty try as well. 100% agree that rule has to change. So the technical rule is if the ball is dropped and then contact is made with the foot directly after a drop, such as what happens with a drop kick, um, it will be deemed a drop kick regardless of whether it's aimed at the post or not. So technically you can drop kick anywhere on the field for any reason um, and it not be called a knock-on. Obviously if there's a, if you drop it, and then while the ball bounces up in the air, you swing your leg up to kick at it. That will be counted as a <laughs> knock-on. But because it's a split-second thing here, like a drop kick, um, it is. I agree that rule needs to be looked at as well. Okay. So we're in, we're in agreement so far. This is really boring. Sorry, guys. Um, 
He's had two, to pull me back. Right. I'm going on a tangent. Two things with regards to game uh, sportsmanship. So we had Ryan Pappenhausen's 40-meter field goal to bring up the 40 points against Manly. Uh, Storm were winning 38-12 at this stage, and it was literally the last play of the game before full time, whether he should have done it or not. And then Corey Thompson's reaction to, I believe, Patrick Herbert in the yep. Titans-Roosters game where Tory, Corey Thompson was open by himself on the wing. Um, all Herbert needed to do was pass it to him. Thompson would have put the ball down. Titans would have won, most likely. They would have won. Um, Herbert runs it himself, puts it down, but it's Thompson's reaction afterwards where you can literally see him just screaming at Herbert, what the fuck? Honestly, and anyone who criticised him for this, I want you to put... situation. <laughs> well, put yourself in his shoes if yeah. that was the last play before your season is over. Um, yes. And I understand, I've said it a million times, that, you know, you deserve, you, you shouldn't criticise one play when there's plenty of other plays. But this was the last play of the season that turned out and just a bad, bad judgment by Patrick Herbert, who actually played a really good game throughout. He did. Sort of he rest really, he played he's really had really a well. really good last three, four weeks. Yeah. And just put yourself in Corey Thompson's shoes. All the preseason bullshit, all the, oh, not bullshit, fitness, we'll put it that way. All the disappointment, all the injuries, and that's how the how your season ends. And you're expected to not only walk away from that, but not show emotion like you did. Yeah. Like seriously, put yourself in his shoes. Everyone is criticizing and see how you react. It is just I, I was like, yeah, right, oh, fair call, mate. And you know what? They probably shook hands in the in the thing. Yeah, there, was, the dressing room. there was nothing in his reaction that was personal towards Herbert. It was yeah. 100% the situation of if that ball had Emotion. been passed, not, not even with the rest of the game, but as a professional athlete, a lot of them talk about they want to be in that position. They want to be in the position where the pressure's on and it's up to them to win the game. Corey Thompson was in that position. He just needed the ball and he could have won the game for his team. One, I think he was denied that decision and that's not going to be the emotion directly there but that's underlying and then two obviously the fact that they um didn't win the game because of i'm not gonna say they lost the game because of it they just didn't win the game because Mm. that game could have gone both ways a number of times and um yeah 100 nothing wrong with the reaction like like jared said they would shake shook hands in the sheds afterwards um pappenhausen's field goal no problem yeah, me neither. Nah. Cool. Let's move on. Nah. Okay. People are saying it's disrespectful and stuff. Like, dude, it's the finals. If you get the chance to put 20 nails in your opposition's coffin, you do it. Especially another part of it is. in a club. Like, I'd want, I would have wanted Cherry Evans to do the same thing if Manly was in that situation, considering the history between the two clubs and considering there's a chance, even though it's a small chance, a chance that they can play again later in the final series. You want as much psychological damage and negative thought processes in the other team's head as possible. It, it's funny you say that because Cherry's actually famous for putting field goals over in their situations. He's, he's really good at it. Um, another uh, another point... get over it. it. It's professional top-level yeah, sport. And, and another, another part of it is like, how many 40-metre field goals have been like free in the year? Mm. Practice them in a game situation yep. on the 80th minute. That's what yep. you need to do. Always practising. 
Yeah. Always practicing. Um, yeah, nothing against it. Cool. Oh, this is really boring still. Okay. Uh, off the field again. Let's jump back out. So let's have a look. NRL Trophy is doing the rounds through uh, regional Queensland, uh, which is really cool. So if you actually jump on the NRL website right now, you can see where the trophy is going to be. Um, they've got the dates up for, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, this week. So if you're around the Rockhampton and Mackay region, uh, have a look at that and you'll have the chance to get a photo taken with the trophy if you would like to, like Jared's sister did um, earlier this week. Yeah, cool. so she's a teacher aide at one of the schools in Sunshine Coast. And yeah, she got a big trophy with the, I'm uh, sorry, a picture with the big trophy and she's holding it up. And the, thing, the only thing she said, it was so heavy. <laughs> you could That's barely lift it up. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's really cool they're doing this kind of stuff. Um, and this, I wish it, I wish they could do it more. But yeah, people awesome. might be in lockdown, but let's uh, let's get out there and move the same object Wait, around the. You can't get COVID, the you can't get COVID from a trophy. <laughs> Actually, I think Parramatta. I did see a picture of it with a mask on, so that was kind of funny. Parramatta are allergic to the trophy though. Oh, very nice. <laughs> oh, excellent. Okay, NRLW news. So just wanted to not, not so much clear some things up, but cover a couple of things in more detail. So due to COVID and not knowing because it was the ebbs and flows of the, the virus and the pandemic, et cetera, the NRLW season was cancelled. And the main, the, there's a fair few reasons behind this. And People were upset and disappointed um, as they've got their right to, they're well within their rights to be disappointed. They're well within the right to express their opinion. I think, however, once it has settled down, people are going to see it, you know what, this was probably the right call. And people might say, but the NRL went ahead. Yes, the, the difference here is the NRL players are generally... Uh, the, the higher earners in their family, and they do this for a profession. It's their full-time job. And it will be in a they, few years for the women. Yeah, hopefully that's the case for the women, um, hopefully even earlier than that. The difference is if they need to move, um, they're not asking their boss for time off. They're not having, their bosses aren't having to find someone to cover them. They're not having to postpone their uni courses, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot more of those sort of red tape issues that the female players have to deal with at this time. Um, and that sort of logistics makes things quite hard. Add on to that, that the majority of the teams are from New South Wales. And those that many people leaving New South Wales again and having to find extra work up here and all that sort of stuff just wasn't going to work. Now, what's happened is it's been postponed to the start of 2022. So... If you're looking at pre-season training as an NRLW player, plus the NRLW season, plus the three state of origin matches, plus the NRLW finals, plus another NRLW season at the end of the year, plus the World Cup, you're looking at 30 uh, matches for the season if you're one of the top 13 um, in the country, basically. That's a hell of a lot of football, hell of a lot of time away from your usual life. It's going to be brilliant for those who are fans of the NRLW. And Andrew Abdo has said that they will get paid more than um, they are at the moment. 
in order to compensate for this, which is awesome news also for the players. But if you're a fan of NRLW, that's going to be a hell of a season to watch. I forgot, I forgot about the All-Stars fixture as well. Whew. So that's um, pretty much what NRLW is at the moment. So next year, 2022 is going to be huge. In January, it's going to be the only rugby league on in Australia. Um, so should only be, I think it's the only female elite competition on in Australia with the football codes. And all eyes will be on them, hopefully. So let's just get behind the NRL on this one, get behind the women's players and ensure that uh, this postponement has a positive uh, outcome. Yeah, I, I, I really hope it does. Um, I was actually quite mad. Um, as Adam said, I understand the logistical side of things of them being part-time professionals. Um, I think that's the best way to describe these women, um, unfortunately, part-time professionals but like some of these women actually like there's been reports of having to leave their jobs having to outlay original costs to move up here for it and at one point the nrl was promising that there was going to be a comp yes and then they pulled out when the women committed to it um i'm not happy about it and i think it was pretty rough on the women and the Look, NRL should have seen with all the stuff happening, you don't promise anything. Yeah, and, and Adam said, like, they're covering it for the next year, but, you know, you you might, and I don't know them all, I'll admit that, but you might have the players, you know, he's getting on a bit of age and this might have been their last year they could physically do it or, or actually commit to it. And they put all into it and they're like, look, we can't play 30 games next year. It's just, it's too, so... I'm actually in the women's corner. I feel really disappointed for them because of this. How mainly how it was handled. Yeah, how it was um, handled. At, and they were told a lot of really positive stuff, and then the the rug got pulled out from under them. So um, I hope next year's a bit better for them. But I hope there's no players who have to go. Do you know what? I'm retiring now. This is too much of a mess around. You lose a quality player out of it. So um, I hope that that's not that's not the case either. True, true. Okay. Um, we'll do signings and then we'll have a quick break. Chanel Harris-Tavita looks as though he is going to explore the open market. So he's signed at the Warriors till the 2022 season. So when players only have one year left on their contract, they can talk to rival teams from November 1st, the previous year. So from November 1 this year, uh, it's open for him to talk to rivals and see what uh, they're willing to offer. The Warriors' stance is they're reluctant to offer a new deal as they are still, remember they've Sean Johnson coming back and they want to see what the partnership between those two is going to look like um, before they look for a time frame for Chanel Harris-Tavita's next contract. You've also got to weigh out that Cody Nicarima and Sean O'Sullivan are both still at the club and Sean O'Sullivan is unsigned from past this season and it's understood the Warriors have put forward a contract to him that was rejected and Cronulla seems to have interest in him as a player. So I, I honestly can't believe this. You've their hearts. So I understand having probably four halves is not the ideal situation, but I don't think it's a bad thing, but they're going to have Johnson there. That's their marquee signing. Mm-hmm. And then you've got O'Sullivan, 
Nikarima, and Chanel. Out of those three, Chanel's easily at the top. Um, yeah, I I don't understand this at all. I, I reckon he's a great player. And honestly, if we didn't sign Adam Clune, I'd be encouraging Newcastle to chase him very, very hard. I'd be, ch- I'd be encouraging buddy, every team to chase this boy card because he's a very quality young 5'8". I, I, I see him as a six. Um, I think he's very quality. And Warriors are fa- uh, uh, doing what they do for a long time. They, they're getting rid of juniors. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't understand it. Like, yeah. well, Supposedly, but, uh, they're also weighing up how much money they're going to have to chase uh, Joey Manu. Um, however, there's going to be a number of teams inquiring about him. I can't see him going anywhere. Uh, well, the fact that Kiri sorry, has already taken unders. James Tedesco, in my opinion, has taken unders to stay there. Um, see, if you're looking at... yeah, Right now, and fr- from a player's perspective, I, I question... And this is nothing on the Warriors. Like, you compare them to, well, the Tigers. Tigers can't attract anyone. But the complete unknown of the Warriors right now, as far as travel logistics, as far as where they're going to be, that's a hell of a selling point to someone like Manu, who, yes, you might want to go back to New Zealand to live, but we don't know when that's going to happen. But he's, he's set up in Sydney. Like, he's played for Roosters, what, five, six years or whatever it is? Like, how do they go, look, we can help you, I don't know, put you in the touch of our realtor who can assist you in buying a house and all this kind of stuff, and then go, but we don't know where you can buy because we don't know where we're going to be based for the next three years. And like I said, it's not the Warriors problem, but it's a hard sell, isn't it? Like, really, it's a really hard sell. And I think one thing that's not going in the Warriors... Um, that's not doing the Warriors any favours is Tuvasashek came from the Roosters of the Warriors and look at the success he had at the Roosters and then the amount of work he had to do at the Warriors oh, yeah. uh, for limited success. is going to be in the same mould as that, um, whether that's going to be Wayne as well. All right, on to some positive news for signings. For the Storm, these are all off-field signings, but Craig Bellamy's collective... Um, Coaching group have all re-signed for the for two more years. So that's Aaron Bellamy, Stephen Kearney, Mark Bretnell, and Ryan Hitchcliffe have all signed on till the end of 2023. So that's just news to Melbourne fans' ears. Not only is their coach locked in for five years in some role, um, but all four of the assistants and deputies um, are I, I wonder if he's le- well. legitimately grooming his son to take over. Because he's in Aaron's been. I'm glad you finished that, that sentence. <laughs> Aaron's been involved with the uh, Melbourne for a long time, and they all respect him down there as well, mm-hmm. not just because of his last name. He, he knows what he's talking about. I um, wonder if he's legitimately making his son his successor. But it's... I, I, I said it before, I'm very surprised that the assistant coach market the media around it isn't as popular as the coaching market, uh, coaching media, coaching rigmarole, just because like having the a, a decent assistant there whose quality is, is massive for every team. Like you, you got to have it. You got to have, and they, you know, then the next coach is lined up and 
I'm surprised this isn't getting more meat. I think it's something we could probably get into more, do profiles on the assistant coaches maybe. I don't know, just to see what they're like and see if we believe they're future coaches. Just because we, you don't know, like everyone heard about Adam O'Brien two weeks before he signed with Newcastle. He was absolute, supposedly the next coach in waiting and all that kind of stuff. Um, all right. Yeah, well, I reckon Jared's giving himself some homework there. Yeah, I will. I'll look into it. You do that. I've got some off-field, uh, off-season stuff I want us to look at. Um, that one wasn't on the list, but I guess we can add it to it. All right, let's have a look at definite signings. Um, Jack, uh, Jack Johns. Cooper Johns has signed a one-year contract extension. He'll stay in Melbourne for 2022. And that's the only update since the Corey Pakes news the other day. Um, Cherry Evans has also come out and basically said no to any rumours that are coming out that he'd be moving to the expansion Brisbane team he said a hell of a lot would have to change for me to leave Manly considering he's been there for that long and everything's set up down there um all right let's um leave that there that's all the off the field stuff done in our on off the ruck segment uh, we're gonna have a quick break and come back with the injury and judiciary news from the first week of the finals and analyze break down each of the four games Alrighty, sweet as. So names that were in the judiciary firing line after week one, Junior Paulo, Murata Niakore, uh, both free to play against Penrith after attracting fines following a review of Sunday's match. However, Knights forward Suaso Sue is looking at a two to three week ban for a leg twist on Blake Ferguson. Didn't look great. Uh, ref didn't see it, wouldn't have seen it. Uh, Blake Ferguson stayed down. Uh, oh, more in anger than pain, I think. And yeah. uh, referee uh, G was alerted, I'd say, by the video referee. It didn't look good. Uh, I don't know what you um, what he's going to get charged as or for. Dangerous contact. Danger, dangerous contact. Is that okay? Yeah, I, I, I wasn't. Look, Black Ferguson looked at the referee, laid down, and then game got stopped and then he started yelling at Suwaso Su. Suwaso Su didn't even know he did it. He just ran off, got back in the defensive line. I was like, oh, fuck. Um, they got the penalty and then I was like, I was, I was actually blowing up at him. But then he got his knee strapped and for the rest of the game, he was limping. Um, so I, I think there might be a bit of an issue there. And yeah. um, keep an eye on it tomorrow when the team... He pretty much, um, Steve Irwin Crocodile rolled his ankle. Yeah, which uh, would have I think, like, I... Yeah. In Suaso Su's defense, I think once he got contact, he wasn't facing the rest of the tackle, if that makes sense. He was facing oh, the opposite yeah. direction. So when he twisted, he didn't really know what was going on with the rest of the tackle. But you can also say that was long preseason now. Negligent, yeah. Um, um, uh, one interesting one was. The junior Paulo one that he got fined off is something that I actually have a massive issue against because he came in and absolutely rocked. It might have been high more. No, it was Kurt Mann, actually. Yeah. And he shouldered him to the head. And Kurt Mann got up, played the ball, and then the next play, um, I think it might have been Campbell Gillard, absolutely destroyed Daniel Saifidi. And Daniel Saifidi dropped it. But he came back... Bunker looked at Junior Paulo's hit on Kurt Mann, which was a play to ball in between, and then penalised it. 
And it's happened a few times this year. I do not agree. With, I was sitting there, I'm like, oh, fuck, we're lucky on that one. I didn't agree with it at all. That's already like, happened. Yeah, it's happened. And I, I grew up with, since the play the ball's done, that means they can't go back to it. And that and that's what my feeling, my, my thoughts on that growing but up. The other, like the other side of it is um, if he's really injured from that and no penalty and he's missing the next two weeks, that doesn't um, help you guys then and there. The well, only thing that helps so, then and there is get the penalty. Well, see, you actually turned me around on this one about a month ago because I was blowing up about when they used to, I don't see the point in them putting it on report five tackles later. But then I thought about it and what you said was they get a free interchange out of it. Mm. So if, if it wasn't Kurt Mann, who's a center, if it was like a second role, like Mitch Barnett got hit in the head. Yeah, you probably got for HR. At, at the, yeah, well, that's right. At the scrum, um, he put it on report. I would have been okay with that. We get a free interchange and yada, yada, yada. Talking about HIA, there's no way Tyson Frizzell should have finished that game either. That was ridiculous. Yeah, he didn't look real good. Yeah. Um, other ones from the weekend. So Sam Verrills is facing a one- to two-week ban after the match review committee handed him a high tackle charge. He will be fighting that judiciary to try and get that downgraded. Um, he'll have to win in the judiciary in order to play against Manly next weekend. Unsuccessful trip uh, means he will miss the two matches. Okay, um, Josh Schuster accepted a 11.50 fine uh, for a dangerous throw on Jerome Hughes and Villami Kikau has received a 21.50 fine for a dangerous contact on second rower Jaden Sewer. Uh, another thing on Brendan Smith in that game, and we're going to go on to injuries in a second. He's been cleared of any injury, but he went off um, with a hit to his cheekbone and Melbourne got a free interchange out of it because they covered it as a HIA, which it definitely wasn't. Um, I was there. You could see he wasn't, he was, yeah. Anyway, very well, very smart done by Melbourne Storm. But the biggest suspension from the weekend, um, Josh Adokar. So players that have been <laughs> injured and aren't named have actually been doing ball boy duties because of the COVID thing and how many people you're allowed in the ground, etc. And, being at the ground, he was hilarious. So pre-game, I was down the fence. Manly were worn up down our end, and I was down there with some Storm supporters there, and they were yelling at the Manly players, and I was yelling at to George Tafua to give me his beanie because it was awesome. And um, when the game started, Addo Carr was the ball boy, and because he had a fair bit to do in the first half, he said he was literally, like, really getting into it and was really loud and... Um, he was actually tapped on the shoulder at half time by the uh, groundsman, grounds manager. Um, and they had to relieve him of his duties. And I believe Graham Mansley said, Josh has a very exuberant personality, which is one of his great assets as a person and as a player. Unfortunately, it's not necessarily one of the traits we look for in ball boys. <laughs> After getting a little too excited in the first half, the grand manager felt it was probably better if Josh would relinquish the role um, for the second half so some and to continue supporting his teammates without interfering with his ball boy duties i do seem to remember that he forgot to go pick the ball up after a conversion because he was taking selfies with the crowd and revving them up in front of the big screen <laughs> it was pretty awesome to see um but i freaking love that that he was literally tapped on the shoulder I'm like you're not really suited to this because you're too fun <laughs> You know what? I, you know what I'd love to see Josh Adokar uh, and Brendan boy. Smith being ball boys. Oh, how? Man. 
much fun. Like, this is one, this is, I would come close to saying one of the best stories of the year as far, because you tell Josh that Carr loves his footy and he yes. loves the crowd and everything. Like, it is. And you compare him to um, the Draboyevich brothers the week before, whenever they were rested. And they were smiling and stuff. But then the rest of the time, they were literally just watching the game. And that okay was just, yeah, he was having a ball. So going into injuries, um, CSF at Takiyaho will be sent for scans uh, on a calf injury that limited him to just two minutes. Um, So he'll be racing the clock to be fit for the match against Manly next week. He'll be monitored through this week. Victor Radley has. Um, shrugged off any hat, shrugged off any AC joint issue in his shoulder. Uh, Penrith are hopeful Moses Leota and Dylan Edwards will be sweet for next week. Um, Tyro May reached as MCL and is due to begin running. Oh, sorry. There's also re injured. Blah, blah, blah. Nathan Brown picked up a leg court, should be available for next week. Manly's Lachlan Croker is back on the training paddock after a back injury forces late withdrawal from Friday's loss to the Storm. Uh, Brandon Smith's been cleared of a facial fracture and Josh Adekar will be ready for the prelim final um, from his hamstring injury. So these two have a week to rest. All right. I think that covers everything. Let's um, get smack into the games, eh? So Friday night. (laughs) I was at this game and... um, yeah, oh, I said earlier, I said yeah. on the previous pod, I think that I had Eagles in my top eight at the start of the season. I didn't have them in my top four. And the fact that we were there is already better than I expected. And I'm usually very tense when I go to watch the Eagles play because I only usually get to watch them once a year. And um, I kind of went into this one going, you know what, we've got a chance of <laughs> pulling off an upset if we play to what we can I, I i think oh sorry i know manly have the talent there to win a game like this but that talent has to all click because what they were giving away to the storm at the start was manly had what four players who have played finals footy before um storm's entire team have and holy shit did some of the players look like they were playing their first game of finals footy out there um morgan harper had three try assists it was just to the wrong team and um Kerry Evans had a try assist to Melbourne though. Yeah, I see I'm gonna excuse him on that because he was the only one <laughs> sorry, being there live, the only two manly players you noticed did positive things yeah. were Dylan Walker and Cherry Evans. That was it. Every other person I had yeah. issues with so much of what they did, and I wasn't upset after the game because I realised what I'm watching. Uh, I was just disappointed in the fact that I didn't like the lineup decisions that Hasler made pre-game. Um, I didn't like what the coaches did for Manly to get them amped up for this game, so it obviously didn't work. And then the team's execution was horrible, and the nail in the coffin was that, in my opinion, being there live, Storm didn't get out of second gear this whole game because they didn't have to do anything. Manly just gave them... The first yeah, I, I think I think disappointment was the wrong word. So I was I was I was wanting to go to this game uh, at the start, but originally I was booked in to be at Harvey Bay on Friday and I was supposed to drive all the way back to Gympie, then I didn't want to drive the out of the coast. But 
it turned out I didn't have to go to Harvey Bay for work. I ended up staying in Gibby and it was my little brother's birthday actually that day. And I went to mum and dad's oh. house for the birthday and I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down with dad and my little brother and my mother this game. And I was really keen on it because this is my, my game around easily. It's built as yeah. a game around. It should have been the game around. And I went, I legit went home. Drive. I was like, you know what? This sucks. I'm not going to stay up for this, get home at like 12 o'clock because I'm now drive home because I went home 10 minutes after half time. Um, and this was the radio on the way home. And then, yeah, it was just mainly, I think, I, I wouldn't say that overawed the event, um, but they realized what was at stake. And Melbourne was just so much more focused and determined. Yeah. Like, yeah. you could see from the first kickoff that Melbourne just wanted it so much more. And I know that's a really big cliche, but final score 40 points to 12 and the two manly tries came from kicks and one was a optional restart where Isaac Lumu made an absolute mess of it where otherwise he just would have um but it, w- it wouldn't have even come close to a try if he didn't make that mistake so if <laughs> manly I still think they're gonna, they can be in it like they have the potential to be there and I think they're on the better side of the draw now just because they come up against Roosters who are weaker and, and then Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs. But I think the next time they come up against, if they do play Melbourne in the grand final, um, they're going to have to overcome a lot of shit because this is the team, other than bringing in Suli, this is the team that's going to run on the field. Um, there's not too many other Croker. changes. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, Lachlan Croker, but that it's mainly just going to have to be an attitude change. He's going to have to, Hazler's going to have to Bellamy, Bellamy, just like refocus this squad and get them back to what they were doing last week. And a lot of stuff came out on Facebook about Travojevic went missing. Melbourne just harassed him all game. So, yeah. Um... Like, were, were you there? Because I, I actually heard some audio from this. And in defensive there. line, there was always someone pointing out to, like, Trevojevic. And that's what they spent the game doing. And then I actually think I mentioned it last podcast. Um, the season he's had can only be compared to two other seasons. That's Jared Hayne, Ben Hart, Ben Barber. Mm. They actually compared footage of Melbourne Storm against Jared Hayne and Ben Barber. Mm. And... It's exact. It was exactly the same. Bellamy just went. You know what? Here's a playbook from 2009 and 2016. Open that, boys. Have a look. And there was always in every play, someone yelled out Trevojevic. They reckon. And um, full credit to him. Why not? What? Let's see. That's what you got to do in these games, and it worked. See, I. Obviously, like you can hear talk and stuff while you're there, but you can't hear specifically what's said all the time. Um, I, I've said for a couple of weeks that I thought Turbo's been running sideways, but he's been able to do that because Manly's been going forward. Uh, Manly didn't go forward this time, so when he ran sideways, there was no space there. And every time he seemed to be tackled, he was moving out to the edges. I don't think he was targeted all that much because what I found really confusing being there, because we couldn't hear commentary, it was Munster's first week back 
And he took the first six kicks from memory for the Storm and they were all bombs. And they were all to Saab and Trebojevic, two of the best in the comp under the high ball. I was like, Saab's 12 foot 10. Why aren't they putting it on the ground and making him bend down, pick it up and run it back? Because he's not a strong runner of the ball and neither is Ruben Garrick. So I thought Melbourne was going to be putting them in the corner and making them run the ball out from the corner. But they were bombing it. Trebojevic and Saab didn't drop one all game. So I don't... I didn't understand that tactic unless they were talking about it in commentary, given their t- time for their players to run through. I do. Um, but it didn't ruffle them whatsoever. It was the rest I, of the I'm game sure that, that Manly screwed up. It, the, the, the reason for that is that you control where they catch it and where they're going to get it. If And it's the same as what they do. To oh, Brian well, that's Todd. if you can control where your bomb's going to go. It's Cameron Munster can. Jerome Hughes can. Um, it's the same what they do with Toho. They're trying, you've got two options. You either kick it to them or you try and isolate the second play. So if you kick it to them, they don't get that run off on the second play. That's where Toho is most dangerous. That's why you yeah. kick it to him. With Travojevic and Saab, you kick it to them because that way you control where they get the ball. And if you put it high, like you're talking about, mm. they actually have to wait to tap, catch it. And if your line's straight... In, yeah, I, in, get, I, I get all that, but Saab doesn't meters. run it back hard anyway. I don't think... Because oh, the one time they did kick it low um, was at the end of a set. Saab had to turn around and run back. It was the only time all night that he looked unsure about catch or stopping the ball. And I thought that would have been... It, it, they're just bigger bodies than Garrick. And they'd rather Garrick running the ball back than yeah, Troy Vich or something. They didn't kick it to Garrick. Once. No, no, they'd rather Garrick have that second play. Yeah. That's know. the point. That was... Like, it, 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 it's it's the second play is the dangerous one. That's where Toto is so dangerous. And he's the biggest mediator in the wing in the game. Yeah. Um, so that that that's the tack. And look, it might not be sound. And as I've said, it probably didn't work, but probably wasn't work as intended. But they're putting their homework in. And Melbourne, once they have a plan, they stick to it. Yeah. Um, also, Jake Trevojevic. An ABC plan as well. Like, C-D-E-F-G. Like, yeah. He, he was not great. Like, it was just so many of the Manly players weren't good. Um, and I, 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 like I, said, I said it in the week and I didn't like Sully not starting. I don't like, I didn't like Kepi on the bench. Sipley is a much safer player he doesn't have the dumb decisions in him that Kepi does he doesn't give away dumb penalties he runs it just as hard if not harder and he's got a better motor than Kepi does all all together so I, I didn't like that decision and Kepi ended up playing 26 minutes off the bench yeah, that's, that's he crap. had his hands on his hips bent over 10 minutes after getting on the field and I was yelling at him I said get your hands off your in hips, you've done nothing. You've been on here for 10 minutes after sitting on the bench for the first 60 minutes of the game. I can do something. 16, he was out there for 26 minutes, took one hit up for eight meters and made 14 tackles and missed one. That's not that's not acceptable in that How arena. are you puffing after that? That's not that? acceptable in that arena. And it's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's not okay. Um, and ha- you know what? Hazel will look into that, hopefully. 
We'll find out tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, one thing I didn't understand though, so things that Melbourne did really well, they capitalised on every mistake. Um, yeah. The biggest one uh, that I remembered was Sheridan's put an early kick in. This is early in the second half. Turned Melbourne around, got them down there. We put in a huge defensive set, five tackles. Manly were running the ball back from halfway. Um the second knocked it on second tackle with no pressure just dropped it i went you fucking kidding me we did a brilliant kick huge kick chase five tackles we're setting ourselves up um to try and get back in this game we dropped that that next set um jerome hughes kicks a 40 20 down the other end melbourne score and i went yeah. that is why they're the best we knock on they have yeah, two plays 40 and- 20 score and I went, and yeah, like, <laughs> and you know, it was funny. Um, so the parts I did watch in this game was when, obviously when Brendan, okay. so Brendan Smith went off for his um, eye fracture or potential eye fracture. And then the only criticism they could actually find with Melbourne and go, oh, are they going to struggle with their interchange? Because Harry hmm. Grant's now going to have to play 80 minutes or whatever it is, 60 minutes or whatever. And Brandon Smith, that rotating forward and then can they hand? I was just sitting there, I'm like, this is fucking Melbourne. Yeah, who are like, you talking players, about, guys? Even though they only play 35, 40 minutes in the game, they are training to play 80. This is what they're made of. Like yeah. Nelson, the Sofa Solomona, easily one of the biggest guys in the NRL, but he could play 80 because he's a Melbourne Storm player. Yep. And it, it was such a, a one, it was a du- it was a dumb response from the commentators, but it was such a desperate thing to find something wrong with this Melbourne team. And full credit to them. Look, they've got to be like dollar twenty favorites to win this grand final now after what happened over the weekend. Um, they're so so good and. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary how good this team's going to... And look, they're just pulling players in, pulling players yeah. out. Um, there's no real... Other than losing at a, at a cup, obviously, but they're bringing in Xavier Coates. Um, there's no real mass change from this year. And Craig Bellamy lets them have two weeks off. Go play around, guys. Don't do anything stupid. Come back and we refocus and he's... Is this that good at getting them up when they need to be up and then down when they need to be down? And yeah, it's the juggernaut that's not going to stop. And the fact that he's coaching for another five years. Um, well, he's signed for Melbourne for five years. It's a year by year well, basis. He's going to be involved with Melbourne for the yeah. next five years, considering they've been strong since what, 2004? Um, they could go for 20 years at the top, which is unprecedented in this day and age. So greatest so, club in rugby league history for a period of time, closest they're going to come to is probably St. George when they won 11 in a row. But other than that, there's no other club like, that you can yeah. come close to this level. A um, couple of things to finish on. So yeah, what you were saying before is backed up by the kick return meters. Tom Draboyevich 50, Garrick 8, sub 0. Um if you want to make yourself feel better and you hate Manly, jump on the player stats from this game. I looked at it half time. I couldn't look into it heaps because there's so many phones there, but 
I saw that Cherry Evans had run for 53 metres at halftime. That was the second most on the team behind Raboyevich. And I had a double look. Not one forward had run more than Cherry Evans at halftime. Sorry. Paseca had run more than him, but he'd come off the bench. At full time, there were two players on Manly that had run for over 100 metres. Who are they? Not including Trevojevic and Cherry. Now, Trevojevic is one, 151 metres. I'd say Dylan Walker. Yeah, Dylan Walker, 108 yeah. metres off 13 hit-ups. Yeah. Now, the numbers of hit-ups, ready? Trevojevic, 15 hit-ups, 150 metres, 10 metres per hit-up. Cool. Cherry Evans, 13 hit-ups, 98 metres. Dylan Walker, 13 hit-ups, 108 metres. And Trevoy, Jake Trevojevic, 10 hit-ups, 46 metres. They're the only players who got to two-digit hit-ups. That's fucking pathetic. Yeah. And it's not like they didn't have the ball. Um, um, okay, so I think... Bloody hell. Yes, it's bad for Manly, but, you know, no, I was, I was sorry. I should have put that in context. The people on Manly's Twitter that were Manly fans saying DCE had a shocker... Um, what the fuck do you want him to do? Be the prop second row, a center and winger at the same time? Jesus uh, look, Christ. Yeah, he has a crack every game. You can't, you can't throw that at him. Try assist, 21 tackles, the second most hit up meters on the team. 11 kits for 400 meters. Oh. Like, no offense to Jerome Hughes, but I, I, honestly, I didn't notice him at all. Honestly. Apart um, from his 40-20. I think this can come down to three points. Manly are still in it, but they've got a lot to be up with the top. Three, Melbourne are going to be really hard to beat. And four, this is the most disappointing game in the entire round. Yeah. And five, Melbourne haven't been at full strength once this season. Yes. Okay, next game. One of the best games you ever see. Roosters 25, Gold Coast 24. Um. This could have gone either way. It was back and forth. Um, came out to a Sam Walker field goal at the end. Um, I feel justified because Dave Fafita was completely missing the entire game, and I'm just throwing that out there right now. You can take that how you want, Adam, but he went missing the entire game. Um, you can't deny it. But as he said, Patrick Herbert played a monster game. I was so impressed by him. Um, Jared Rollis, even though he's a bit pushy sharp sometimes, really got stuck to this very Roosters four-pack, which I was impressed with. Angus Crichton was everywhere, and he needed a hairband for most of the game. Yeah, not in defense, though. Um, so. Tedesco is an absolute freak, and he's not getting the credit he deserves this year. It's just insane. Um, and on that note, the whole game, was the whole media wash-up for this was how good Sam Walker is. He touched the ball once the entire game, okay? he done a great field goal. I'll give him that. He came on and did what he had to do. A full credit, but my... And he's so young, and they're, they're holding him back because there's one, a potential shoulder injury, but two, he's too small to be playing NRL. So they bring him on when they need him, need a few points. But in, in in big games, 
I think it's super impressive a guy who's been out there 80 minutes able to do that. Yeah, it's a lot easier when you're fresh. Yeah, guys, uh, like Cooper Cronk, origin, 42 metres out of whatever it was at Suncorp Stadium, game three to win the game. Like, that that still gives me goosebumps compared to, yeah, Sam Walker was out there, he's kicked the winning goal, but, eh. Um, yeah, that was pretty much it. There's a lot of very good individual efforts in this game. I thought Fasimawali was very strong in the forwards, but... The Gold Coast are going to take this as a missed opportunity. I think they're yeah. the most behind Manly, probably the most disappointed because how close they were in this game. There was no point where you're like, oh, Roosters have got this. Gold Coast have got this. So it, it, it just it came down to individual efforts, and that's all. And which is one of finals to be. That's where legends are made. Yeah, I think what they were also saying with Sam Walker was that um, tackle made on. Um... Oh, on was it Tyrone Peachy on the on the left hand side when he's running? No, it wasn't Peachy. It was someone else. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 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 I get it, and it's impressive what he did. But, um, and tactically, Trent Robinson was right on point. But you're playing with fire there because Sam Walker. Yes, he's great, but if he comes on and make and fucks it up. It's a completely different story. Yeah, savage the world of yeah. rugby league is. So, yes, you got it right this time, but what happens next time? And, um, yeah, I don't know. I like the Roosters are going to get the win, but they weren't better than the Titans, and Titans are going to get the loss, and they weren't better than the Roosters. I reckon if you tip the Titans, you, you still feel pretty justified in the fact that you tip them and the fact that it was one point, and literally if that pass had gone ahead, Titans win. And you look like a genius. Um, I think there was a obstruction call for both sides um, where tries were called back. To me, they were both. Um, oh yes, common Fafita, sense. I think that was a try. Yeah, common sense. They were tries, but by the letter of the law and what we've got to with obstruction, literally the black and white ruling um, is the correct ruling because both the one where Tedesco caught it on the inside and Fafita caught it on the inside neither of them were going to get stopped either way. Uh, they were both tries and he's played footy and has watched footy forever. But because there was so much gray area of obstruction a few years ago, they've had to make it black and white. So they both got rubbed off the board. Um, yeah, I feel for the Titans. This is the performance I thought or I knew they had in them. That's why I was so close to tipping them. So, and I'm going to Roosters. I would not be surprised if Titan foot off the upset. Um, yeah, I was well and truly wrong on that one. I, I, feel for these guys because I think considering the season they've had and the beltings that they've taken, they've stuck together and actually gotten better in the last few weeks. Again, um, they rode through that rough period in the middle and came back. And I think Holbrook's still the right person to keep leading them this way. Their, their thing in the off season is going to be keeping the squad together as much as possible. Um, still bringing in a, a dummy half Um even though they've got some youngsters out, I still think they need someone seasoned to come in for at least another yeah, couple of seasons. Yeah, they Aaron Booth and Matt um, Melbourne. Yeah, so that's another youngster. I was like, uh. um, For the Roosters, though, bloody James Tedesco was nuts good. Like, He's, 22 he, runs, he, 184. Post-contact metres, ridiculous. Kick return metres. Line break, line break assist. Try assist. Um, try. Um, five tackle he, breaks. 
He legit isn't given the respect he because he's everyone's just so used to him doing. He's a yeah. new he's a new Jason Tom Malolo. It's just insane. Insane. And you got to just keep looking at this Roosters thing and what they've gone through this year. Um, it's not making me like them anymore. They're still one of those hated teams, but the respect I have for this group is huge. And I enjoy watching them play um, because they've got all these youngsters and they can't play the structure all the time. They literally don't have the uh, maturity to do that for an entire game yet. And they are a good team to watch. Um, I reckon we'll, we'll talk about next week when we do our preview. Um, I'm not going to talk about who I think will win that one. So unlucky Titans, the first one knocked out of this season. Um, brings us to the Panthers Roosters, uh, Panthers Rabbitohs game. Um, oh, ten massive. for I... the Panthers, sixteen for the Rabbitohs, and this is a scoreline that shocked me the most of the weekend. I'd written Rabbitohs off based on what Penrith have done to them this year, and the fact there was no Latrell Mitchell, and it came down to Adam Reynolds um, being the dominant halfback of the day. Um, bit of a penalty goalathon. Uh, at times, only two tries. The Rabbits won to Penrith, and it being the first try of the game after Rabbitohs had started better again, like they did last game. But Penrith went down and scored pretty much in their first chance. And I was waiting to see if Rabbitohs were going to crumble after that, like they did in the previous game, but they didn't. They're the ones who fought back, tries through Walker and um, Paulo, and then three penalty goals and one out of two conversions for Reynolds was enough they were plucky they were courageous they didn't give up they didn't allow Penrith to play as they wanted uh Jerome Luai still looks like a shell of himself compared to the first half of the season and that's the first game that Nathan Cleary's lost all season yeah I, I had a few um points on this one Which so a crazy for stuff. For Pembroke, they lost Dylan Edwards late. And because of that, they moved Stephen Crichton out of the wing position to fullback and put Charlie Staines. Um, Stephen Crichton had a Upgrade at fullback, downgrade at wing. Yeah, well, no, no. But that's, that's my point. Had a monster, monster game at fullback. But I think that Dylan Edwards is like Charles, Charles Nickel Hockstad at Canberra. That when he's gone... I feel like the attacks gets the attack fluency gets a bit wasted with Dylan about Dylan Edwards there just because he's, he's a better he's a better, better ball player and Stephen Grant is obviously a runner he's learning his ball playing ability mm-hmm. but Dylan Edwards is one of the highest tackle breakers in the game and he, he there's just, there was just a little there was just something missing out of Pembroke's attack and I think that's what it was um, and I think four tackle breaks. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Dylan Edwards. I think even last year, this year, averaging about six or yes. a lot during the but game. One thing, I can't remember. Not one, pen, not one Penrith player engaged the line hmm. before passing. So there's a stack yeah. called line engaged runs where you engage the defense before you shift the ball. Not one player did that for the yeah Panthers. And I just think that Dylan Edwards just creates that extra option for him, and also. Stephen Crichton on the wings, that big body they can pass it to. And they say he needs to get it more involved. Well, why can't he? Why can't they work their attack like New South Wales do with Tom Trevojevic? Let him rove when they have to. Um, but going back to the big body, like Charlie Staines, his run backs, they'll just kick him all game. He couldn't, 
He was not penetrating or making a dent in the line at all, which Pep, that's what Pembroke games are built on. They're built on Brian Toto thing. And if you got those two to kick to, who are you going to who are you going to kick to as far as making meters? Who are you going um, to? On Pembroke, I'm sorry, on Southside. So we compared the benches, but. Um, it was really interesting. So in the 30th minute, I think, they sought Cam Murray for Benji Marshall and their attack just went insanely good. South Sydney's yeah. did. It was a really threatening. Cody Walker got unleashed with Benji Marshall creating that thing. But in the last 20 minutes when they were trying to hold that lead, Benji Marshall was still there, but they had... And this is the big difference between the two teams. It was Jai Arrow... So, Manly, uh, sorry, South Sydney had Jai Arrow and Cam Murray just holding that middle. And now it is running across the field, making every tackle they could, both of them. And Pembroke were throwing everything they could. Like, there was moments where Pembroke were making a few blind breaks there. Like, they're doing mm-hmm. really well. And, um, you know, you, you had someone that's coming through, and nine times out of 10, it was. Cam Murray and Jairo, they were just so efficient with their tackling and getting on the back. And I think they predominantly made a target on Isaiah Yo to blunt their attack because he's such a massive link player. And I'll be really interested to see the stats and how many contact or pressure um, pressure tackles they made, uh, Cam Murray made on um, Isaiah Yo. And another guy I want to give a shout out to in the South Sydney defense was Campbell Graham. Like, he's been talked about. He was New South Wales' 19th man. He had an absolute monster in the game. So, Pembroke's left side attack. You got Toto, is it Momorowski, kick out and clear on Luai on that side, I think. Um, and Campbell Graham, like, these guys were still making breaks, but there was one moment, I think it was like 15 minutes before the end of the game, where Campbell Graham was able to push... Brian Toho out of the sideline when he had 15 metres mm. to the try line to run. You do not see that Brian Toho missing those tries. Yeah. I've, I've never seen it actually. Someone and Campbell Graham, he's just put on that much size and he just he, he dominated him. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, South's are going to win this just because of that effort. It was huge. And, and um, full yeah, credit to it. And, Look, and another one, Blake Taff obviously dropped an early ball, um, copped an absolute flogging all game from these high balls from Cleary and Luai. Um, and we haven't even mentioned the press conferences yet about this. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, the Bennett um, Cleary stuff. Uh, you want to you give it a rundown on that? Oh, no, just uh, two other players when you're talking about effort. Um, there was a moment where... Ah, uh, who was it? Can't remember put the kick through, but they they missed the first tackle on Crichton. But Mark Nichols was the first one there to shut it down to get a repeat set. Um, yeah. The pure skill of Cleary's inside-out banana grubber kick that uh, bounced up for was it Crichton to hit back into? Oh, yeah, no, no, Rossi hit yeah. it back in for. Bloody, Hateful, who put it? down? Uh, Crichton, yeah, because he scored the only try. Um, yeah. Was brilliant. Like, that kick is 
ridiculous hard. If you go back and watch how hard you have to kick the ball into the ground for it to go that way as a right footer is ridiculous. And then the flick back from uh, Momorowski to Crichton was brilliant. But one player I don't, I haven't heard anyone else talk about, but to me had the biggest performance of the game was Tom Burgess. He played 41 minutes. So literally, let's just look at that as 40 minutes. He played half a game. From the bench, this is his stat line. 21 runs, 212 metres to top the Rabbitohs, 76 post-contact metres, sorry, 80 post-contact metres, two tackle breaks, and 16 tackles, none missed, no ineffective. That is fucking ridiculous in 40 minutes of work for a guy of his size. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. 212 metres in one half. That's on pace for 424 metres for a game for a prop. That's fucking nuts. We talk about yeah. fullbacks and stuff running. He ran for 50-something more metres than Trebojevic did this week and ran for more than every single other Rabbitohs player. Um, and all of those backs played 80 minutes and none of them could uh, top his metres or even get close. The next closest was to Toller at 144. So yeah, nah, that is yeah. pure craziness. So, Loved it. Miracle efforts in this game. Loved miracle it. That's efforts. what Rabbitohs had to do and they did it. Yeah. Okay, so the rivalry between Bennett and... Cleary, um, brilliant. Cleary, got, Cleary got absolutely destroyed in this. Like he, he, he didn't. Why, why would you try this kind of stuff against Wayne Bennett? I don't, I don't understand what you're doing, mate. Like, calm your farm. You're not going to win it. He did have one so, point that I agreed with, which I thought. Was so funny. he, he came out and said, um, oh, "Okay, no, go for it. You, you explain it because you probably remember it a bit better than I do." But he came out. Bennett had talked about the blocking thing that Penrith. Um, blocks do to protect uh, Cleary. Huh? Do to protect Cleary. Yeah. So Bennett said, yeah, Penrith block um, anyone coming in to protect Cleary while he does his kicks. And Bennett called it illegal, um, called on the refs to be doing something about it, basically, without calling on the refs to do something about it. So then Cleary's come out and said before the game that coaches manipulate the referees through what they say through the week and we can get away with it before a game. But if you say it after a game, they get fined, um, which I hundred percent agree with coaches say whatever the hell they want about the rest leading up to the game. They never get in trouble. As soon as you say it in a press conference afterwards, yeah, you get in trouble. Um, and then, Oh, pretty much what happened from there. Bennett was asked about it again. And then, pretty much denied that he'd started the whole thing and that it was said three weeks ago and the media had stretched it out again. And <laughs> I don't know. And then in the press conference, Cleary came out and said, look, he's been, coach has been doing it for years. Um, yeah, he, 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 all kinds of stuff. And Bennett just went, he mouthed off first. He, look, follow the transcripts. We're not quoting it. Look up the transcripts and Cleary essentially just got ripped apart and he was so focused on that and Bennett's just a master at this kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, he planted the seed early in the week and Cleary bit and yeah, 
And that was it. Clear, Cleary just got schooled by the older fella on how to manipulate the media and what not to say. And Cleary's probably, and <laughs> Cleary's probably fucking regretting his words right now, to be honest. Um, it was good fun. Okay, next game. Um, Newcastle versus Para. So I saw someone Para- complain. Of, no, it was Alex McKinnon complained about this. The fact that it's he's like, I'm all to go with regional rounds and spreading the footy and stuff. This is the NRL semifinals. Can we get a decent stadium and decent and, and more than two McKinnon. camera angles? Shut up, like, Alex McKinnon. You potato. I get um I get no, that no, not point, but I didn't mean it like that. I meant he's an idiot. You get that point, but what options do they have right now, buddy? Like yeah. the turf at Seabus and Suncorp are good, but they're going under unprecedented traffic right now. Um, no, but and that's right. And another and another point is that <laughs> all right, I just sat on one at his toys by accident. <laughs> there's there's so much so much scope in regional games where these like the crowd was awesome you had newcastle chance in rockhampton in this game um and you know it this chance were followed by go back home but it was still nice to hit newcastle <laughs> and you know do you know what, uh, uh, interesting things come out of this year is so there's been a few games taken to toowoomba it's obviously spent a decent amount of time on sunny coast obviously rockhampton a lot of these regional communities are actually got the shits of the Broncos this year because they haven't never taken their home games regional. And these lo- these regional diehard mid-Queensland areas like Rockhampton, like Mackay, like Townsville, like Toowoomba um, are finally getting the benefits they should have got 10, 15 years ago of being really strong rugby league supporters from the bone. It's been quite interesting the blowback on the Broncos and I think it's going to echo for a few years because when the new Bron- when the new Queensland team comes in, they're going to teams are going to want to sorry regions are going to flock to them because the Broncos have treated them like shit but since 1988. So it'll be really interesting what happened in the next couple of years and the blowback from COVID because a lot of rock like the rocky crowd on Sunday was awesome. They were really good. Yeah, I'm not touching that um, at all. <laughs> okay. Next one. So this game. Eels 28, uh, Newcastle 20. Parramatta 20. Yeah. Parramatta won this game. Um, I don't think they win it. They won it off the penalty try. I think the biggest time period in the game was five minutes before half time. Mm. So Newcastle were up 10 4. I will admit they were completely out on their feet, but they spent, I reckon, about 80% of the first half coming out of their own mind. So they're getting absolutely pounded the entire game. And they were just holding in. They were somehow ahead through some miracle tries, um, one after the first two minutes. But five minutes from halftime, um, Mitchell Moses slices through David Clemmer and Daniel Saifidi. And I'm going to take a knock on Ponga right now. He just sliced through Ponga right now as well. Like Ponga was just like clutching at thin air behind Mitchell Moses. Scored a try under the post. Great effort. That's 12 10. I was like, you know what? I can handle that. That's fine. See, I got it. Two things on that try. One, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to give a little bit of slack to Ponga. Fullbacks have to do a lot of positioning, and no one 
um, was expecting Moses to do that. Credit to Moses for saving his one decent run for this late in the season. Um, if you've got that much pace and agility, we should be seeing this on the regular. And I literally think he just caught everyone by surprise because he looked as though, you know what, I'm really up to play today. Yeah, I haven't so, seen that for like six weeks. Yeah, so he was actually, him and Dylan Brown were actually probing the line all game. Yeah, they were really good. Cool to see. And you're just like, as a um, Parramatta fan, you'd have to be so fucking annoyed going, why isn't this here every week? <laughs> yeah, and then that is off the kickoff. That is ran down the field. Blake Ferguson scored on the corner. Um, lost, and then it was up, it was 16 12 at half time. Yep. And Newcastle, Newcastle fans are like, oh, fuck, what? What's going on here? Like, this is ridiculous. Mm. And then that's when Newcastle lost the game. Honestly, that's where they lost it. They came out in the second half just as strong um, as they did in the first half, but they just tapered off at the end. And actually, Mitchell Moses said at the half time, one of their plans was if we stay with Newcastle, we'll get them at the end of the half on both half. He actually said that at half time. And that's what happened in both both halves. It was Newcastle got out of the blocks really early and uh, especially in the second half, they got into 22-20 at one point. Mm-hmm. Parramatta just held out, held out, and then they got the glory out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just sitting there, I'm like, one, that's a pretty frank assessment of another NRL team. Like, fuck, righto. Um, you know, if we if we survive 30 minutes where it's reachable, we'll still win the game. Like, ugh, it. The timing but, of the Eels tries there, ninth minute. And then 35th, 37th. So start of the half, end of the half. Second half, 47th minute, 76th. Start of the half, yeah. end of the half. Yeah, it, it was it was just like you sit there and go, well, is that, is that what everyone thinks in Newcastle? But, and that, for, for me, that comes down to fitness. Like, you just can't be... And they, they must... A lot of teams must think Newcastle aren't fit enough to last out the game. Um, and I, I tell you what, though. In, in this game, it was billed as um, the Ford Packs versus each other and Pierce and Ponga versus Moses and Gufferson. But even in the pregame, and I think me and Adam talked about it in, the, in, the, in, in our... Um, of course we did. Thing, it was Daniel Saifidi, Jacob Saifidi, David Klemmer versus Junior Polo. And, I don't know, that was you, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And... I don't think anyone even thought that Regan Gamble-Gillard was going to play the game he played. Like, he jammed a few people. Every time he ran, he made 8 to 15 metres. Um, really hard to control, really hard to contain. And he just... He played like the Regan Gamble-Gillard. He played for New South Wales five years ago. Mm. And, 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 and as, as Adam said about Mitchell Moses, every, every Parramatta fan would be sitting there going, Where, where's this been for the last 26 rounds? Like... It's a bit, no offense, it's a What's bit late. On? Like, you can play this yeah. well this week, um, but they're up against Penrith next week after Penrith got showed up um, from some finals footy. Oish. Um, and, and sorry, one more thing. And like, yeah, with, with this one, what, yeah, well, like I said, why are you doing it? And they, he could have put in that incredible effort. And Newcastle with a, what a hit. A hair away from actually winning this game too. So he would have put the best effort he's ever put in all year in a losing game and got him knocked out. Like, what's the go, para? This, where's your motivation at 26 other rounds? I tell you what, they've got a player in Will Penasini. Um, yeah. 
he's he's impressed me, especially in the the, the latter part of this season. And this was on the afternoon of my son's birthday, so I didn't get to watch the full game, but I watched the the mini I and I made sure I stayed off social media because I didn't want to see who won. And I had no idea who was going to win this game as it went through because I, it was just, it seemed back and forth, back and forth. We talked about Isaiah Papali, he's starting off the bench. Um, he had the most running meters for Parramatta off the bench, 21 hits, 194. But I tell you what, the play that made me stop, rewind and watch three times was Kalen Ponga's bullet to Tuala, where it happened so quickly that Ferguson was only in from the sideline, literally an extra body than Tuala was, and didn't even have time to stop and get across to him. It was an absolute bullet of a pass across three players um, to Tuala. Credit to Tuala for even catching that thing. Um, I just went, fuck, that was so good. It was just so good. Um, obviously, they didn't win the game, but to me, that that was a part of skill um, from that game that I stood up and went, that I could watch that on repeat. Um, but it's like whoever lost this game, I was kind of going, you know what, this would probably replicate their season, either team. And whoever won this game, I was also thinking, you know what, they've probably got a step further than I think their forms deserved. Um, yeah. So I think in this game and also the Parramatta, sorry, and also the Roosters Titans game, whoever won those, um, sorry, no, oh, not the other one. It, whoever won this match is going to be a training run for Penrith next week before the prelim, in my and opinion. And Penrith are going to be pissed off too. Yes. So whether it was the Knights or Parramatta, I thought that before the game. Um, yeah, on the other side, Roosters and Manly has a chance to be a decent game. Um but yeah, I think whoever's was coming up against the the loser of Rabbits Penrith is going to be a train run. Yeah, and you know what? Um, it was actually interesting because Newcastle's left side, um, no, our right side. Sorry, Blake Ferguson. Yeah, no, sorry, our left, our left, Bradman Best. Um, so Parramatta's right. That whole channel was the entire game where it was played. Because that's where all the tries are scored. Blake Ferguson scored two and Inari Tuala scored three. Yeah. So that's... It, 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 every other team's going, whoever wins this game, if we shore up our defence on that side and just attack down there, we're going to win. Like, that in, in, the, um, in the first half where Parramatta were just absolutely pounding Newcastle on their line, they created about four opportunities, if not for Newcastle's really desperate scramble that actually stopped them from scoring. But it also comes back to Pembroke. I'm not sorry, Parramatta not icing those players, which they should have, which every other team in the top eight, bar probably Gold Coast, probably would have. Um, so I'm, I'm completely agree with you. Like the team, it's whoever lost that probably was representation of the season. Whoever won that was really lucky if it was Newcastle or Para. And I think they're essentially cannon fodder because that was, despite the fact it went down to the minute, none of those teams on that performance would have beaten everyone, anyone in the top four. Um, they might have come up against maybe Gold Coast or Roosters, but they're, 
where they finish on the ladder was definitely representative of where yeah, they're at. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, just before we finish this uh, article popped up and I um, opened it up and it was about the, the fallout of the Manly loss over Melbourne. Um, and Taniela Paseca referring to the dressing room scene. It wasn't pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that pretty much sums up what it was like watching as a fan too. So uh, on that bombshell, I think we'll we'll wrap up this one. We'll be back <laughs> with you guys Thursday morning for uh, yeah, uh, week two of finals. There's only two games. Um, so we should I love that week. go into those. And it's, uh, they're both in Mackay. So Mackay's first uh, NRL's final action. Um, I think I said earlier, actually, that Manly only had four players that have played finals. I meant to say there was about four that hadn't, but they looked as though they hadn't. So I think there was six debutants for Manly. Um, I'm just, I was more saying the point that it looked as though most hadn't played finals because, yeah. Anyway, I just thought yeah, I'd right that okay. up. So um, it's been... Oh yeah, God. so I'll, I love finishing on breaking news with a really stop solid quote in investigative journalism by Adam by going by quoting Paseca saying it's unpleasant but you know what I can't top that so I'll let you guys go <laughs> hopefully we've been slightly more pleasant although uh, it's not a very high bar uh, we'll talk to you guys Thursday morning thank you for tuning in to six again Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.